What is good, black people? Happy Sunday morning, afternoon, or evening, or whatever particular day or time you are listening to this podcast. Today is episode 10. We finally have hit episode 10 for podcasts. Ain't that great? Shout out to everybody who's been listening to the podcasts on a consistent basis. Today, I wanted to make this podcast about something that I saw on Instagram, probably about this past Thursday, been a few days or so, but um, it's something that I saw on Instagram and people were just hyping this up and it's been a particular consistent topic um, over time when it concerns black people and the accomplishments and the things that we have done in this world and it's also the cover for this podcast episode and it says this world does not move without black creativity and this was said around June 17 of 2020 this was also around the time when everybody was doing the George Floyd protests and all this other type of stuff right and they tried to make it seem like this was a nationwide thing. Like everybody was just hand in hand with what was going on. As if that made any difference for the condition of black people. You know, they, they tried to make it seem like, oh, this is happening in Asia. It's happening in uh, London. It's happening all over the world. Everybody's hand in hand with George Floyd. And uh, they even had George Floyd's daughter try to say, my, my father's changing the world. You know, all this other type of hoopla. But your condition has not changed. You will still go through the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Just falling for the propaganda. But that's not what this video is particularly about. Not necessarily, at least. But I wanted to touch on this topic because I find it very, very ironic. How black people will say that this world does not move without black creativity. And yet we do not mind being detailed for every civilization or community. We we love to be hand in hand with the quote unquote minorities or quote unquote people of color. Um, somehow we do not have that same type of unity when it comes to us. We're easy to forgive non-black people or Caucasoid people, but we are not so easy to forgive and forget When it concerns our people. When somebody looks at us the wrong way. When another black person. You know. uh, Talks smack about us. Or whatever the case may be. We'll be so quick to try to take their life. Take their, uh, their job. Try to ruin their life. Give them karma. But when it concerns white people. We want to complain and moan. And you know. Do all this other type of stuff. It's beyond me. You know. And when it concerns this theme of the world doesn't move without black creativity, it's not saying that we're the ones that created the foundation of this world. Of course, we did. It's not saying that we are the ones who are creating the trends and we're the ones that are responsible for all the topics concerning science in geography and architecture and in literature even though we are concerning history but the rate the way that i see this is that black people do not mind being a slave 
they do not mind being the one to build and to uh, sacrifice their energy and their life and their accomplishments and their pride to please other nations of people. That's how I see this. Because when you say the world does not move without black, uh, without black creativity, what does that mean for you? You don't have your own, you know, mainstream markets. You don't have your own mainstream media platforms. You know, we, we make up to what? Uh, trillions of dollars. I forgot the particular. I think it's one trillion maybe. But we make up to billions up to trillions of dollars per year on an annual basis in the black community and yet less than 5% of that or even uh, less than 1% of that is being exchanged and traded within our own communities so when you have people that will say the world does not move around or, or move without black creativity I have to ask you know I have to be cautious on this narrative I have to ask why and how and how does that benefit us today because you have black people who will say oh we we, we were the kings and queens of, of civilizations we are the original people you know we're the gods and goddesses on earth we're the Hebrew Israelites you know whatever narrative that you want to go by we're the Moors we're the indigenous people whatever narrative that you want to go by that sounds good and all but what does that do for you today? I don't even like to refer to black people as kings and queens and gods and goddesses, even though I do understand the narrative behind it, because they will say that it's better than calling us niggas and bitches. I understand that completely. However, when it concerns calling us kings and queens, gods and goddesses, emperors and empresses, whatever the case may be, not only there is a ego play at that, but then it comes to a form to a level of disrespect when it concerns you with other black people. So when it concerns you being a king and a queen, where's your kingdom? When it concerns you being an emperor or an empress, where is your kingdom? When it concerns you being a god and a goddess, where is your kingdom? Where is your Mount Olympus? You know what I'm saying? You want to call yourself these titles and it's, it's almost like masturbation. It's just to make you feel good for the time at hand. And even though we have a great history to look back upon, as Dr. Amos Wilson even said, that, that history... And us looking back at it and, you know, notifying it and also uh, identifying with it does not advance us as a people if we're not going to learn from our mistakes and also learn from our accomplishments to better ourselves in this society today. We have black people and I, I made a podcast concerning uh, Stokely Carmichael, a.k.a. Kwame Torre. And he, talk, he talks about how we are good at unifying, or, or excuse me, we're good at mobilizing, but we're not good at unifying. We can speak on one accord, sing on one accord, we can dance on one accord, 
we can agree that police brutality is bad. We can agree that white supremacy and racism is bad. But how we go about it is where we all get into this division. We might sing on one accord, dance on one accord, march on one accord, but we don't think on one accord. Yeah, police brutality is bad, but I'm still going to go with Becky. Yeah, racism and white supremacy is bad, but I'm going to still have my, my light-skinned babies, mixed babies, with Connor and Tommy. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's messed up what this society is doing. It's messed up what white people be on. But, you know, Billy Bob is still invited to the cookout, though. Margaret and, and Amber, they're still invited to the cookout, though. We don't have our own spaces for ourselves. We don't have our own militia for ourselves. We don't have our own organizations or political parties for ourselves where they are dressed for us and by us exclusively for us and by us. We always feel that we have to include other races of people within our organizations. We always feel like we have to include other agendas within our own agendas. And this is why we never get anywhere as a race of people. You want to have a, a form of progression. But just because you can get a job and get a house and get a car, just because you have the freedom to have a platform or whatever the case may be, does not mean anything for your race of people. Now, I am not going to contradict what I say in the past when I say that um, there is no hope for black people. And that might be a little harsh for people who are just listening to me just now, getting used to me. Uh, go back to my first two episodes. Um, I kind of thoroughly explained that particular perception. I won't waste time trying to go through it here, but I'll summarize it that um, as Huey Freeman said in the boondocks, hope is irrational. You know, and this week I really studied the dynamic of the character of Huey Freeman from the first season to the third season. Right. And when you look at the dynamic of Huey Freeman, Huey Freeman was revolutionary and outspoken in the first season, hunger strikes, so on and so forth. And then once we get to the Obama era, you know, this, that and the third, he's retired. He says he's a he's a retired, quote unquote, domestic terrorist, uh, retired revolutionary. You know, he is dressed to himself. He, you know, no doubt he studies for himself and so on and so forth. Still talks and unifies with like minded people. But he says he's retired in I, I believe it's the second episode of the first season when they were talking about R. Kelly. And he talks about how he battled with ignorance and ignorance won. You know, and this is the same thing for me personally when I was in the pro-black movement. You know, I would stress and stress and, you know, worry myself about how black people were going to get out of their predicament because it just got worse and worse and worse. As you, as you look in history, from the 1960s going into the 2010s, now being in 2020, uh, in 2021 and you you it just does not get any better the the revolution has become commercialized now you know back in the what 70s and 80s the revolution won't be televised 
and they're right. You know, Jill Scott was right. The revolution won't be televised because the revolution will be commercialized. And they have done an excellent job of doing that, especially when you look at the Black Lives Matter movement. So when you put all this together and you look at the masses of black people and what they are getting themselves into. And of course, I'm not judging or uh, demeaning or condemning the masses of black people because most of the black people just do not know. And a good majority of them just don't care to know. But for the most part, black people just do not know. They were never informed or they never grew up on the information that we know as like-minded or conscious or open-minded black people. You know, and I do understand that. But as one quote in the good book, as my my grandma would say <laughs> uh, in the Bible, there's a quote where my people suffer for lack of knowledge. You know, and even though black people as a race as a whole are in a in a state of ignorance that ignorance will get them killed that ignorance will get them uh, brutalized that ignorance will get them murdered so on and so forth that ignorance will allow their land to be taken and, and you know when you deal with that dynamic it's, it's not enough to just say oh black people just don't know you know what I'm saying it's, it's to the point where you have to separate yourself from the masses and just build your own. You have to separate from the masses and build your own nation, build your own pack, build your own tribe, build your own kingdom with somebody. You know, and this is where the revolution and, and studying everything that, that needs to be studied deals with in the household. See, when I, when I tell black people that they need to know thyself and... You know, need to better themselves. Save yourself. Do not worry about saving the masses of black people. Save yourself because you would die trying. There is a pattern in a list of black revolutionary leaders who have tried to save the masses of black people. And each one of them have either been betrayed or murdered by their own people. That's not to say that you should easily give up, but it's to say that there needs to be a different plan there needs to be a different strategy and so the revolution starts at home if you start to build upon the basis of revolutionary uh mindset in in nationalism self-preservation you start instilling that in your children house by house you will then have a particular movement where like-minded black people will function themselves properly you know they will be productive and they will better themselves and better other black people as well. So with all that being said, I conclude this with saying that when it concerns this, this topic or this narrative that, oh, the world can't live without us. Or, you know, we make the world shine. We make the world pop. We make, we, we're the trending topic. That sounds good and all. To a certain extent. That sounds good and all for maybe a good 10 seconds. But when you don't have power. When people don't respect you. When you call yourselves the most uh, disrespected, unprotected, and neglected. When you say that you can't walk out while being black. And you're scared 
uh, to be black. You're scared to walk out and be black and, and live and be black and talk and be black and swim and be black and go to the store and be black. When you have these type of narratives, hands up, don't shoot. When you walking out here and talking about I can't breathe or I can't breathe or I can't breathe. When you when you walking out here and you got holes through your shirt, when you out here and talking about I'm a run for Ahmad Aubrey. When you out here taking knees, you know, all this doesn't do anything for you. All of this is tokenism. Or excuse me, not tokenism. All of this is, I can't even find the word for it. <laughs> just, like, just these type of acts, like taking a knee, hands up, don't shoot, marching, protesting. All of that doesn't benefit you not one bit taking a knee doesn't benefit you saying I can't breathe and protesting and and you know emotionally reacting to what is happening in the world does not benefit you because the same thing will happen over and over and over and over and over again you can't guilt guilt uh, guilt trip me or whatever the case is or try to shame me because history shows for itself the same things that are happening in the 1960s are the same things that have been happening in the 1990s are the same thing uh, the same things that have been happening in 2010 and the same thing that has been happening right now in the 2020s it's the same thing and as einstein even said for a person and i'm paraphrasing for a person to repeat an action and get no results has to be insane for a set of people to continuously do the same thing over and over and over again thinking voting is going to solve their conditions thinking that protesting is going to solve their conditions thinking that rioting is going to solve their conditions uh, thinking that getting into interracial relationships or uh, thinking that love is love and all this other type of stuff they think that this is going to solve their conditions when it's not you get into a dilemma. And until black people as a whole think on one accord and begin to utilize the strategy of self-preservation, they begin to utilize the tools that has been given to them from generation upon generation, from people like Marcus Garvey, all the way to Malcolm X, all the way to Khalid Muhammad, and so on and so forth. Until we begin to utilize the things that have been given to us as blueprints, you will stay into this condition. And as some people will say, when black people wake up, it's going to be too late. But I don't like to be negative. We're going to be a little bit optimistic today. <laughs> and we're going to say that not in my lifetime. That's what I like to say. Black people may get out of their conditions as a whole, as a race. It just will not be in my lifetime. It's just maybe my son will see it. Maybe my grandson or great grandson will see it. But not in my lifetime. I just do not see that. Things are just getting worse and worse when it concerns how uh, black people as a whole are going about their condition. It is what it is. But until next time, I'm Toronto. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Again, this is episode 10. So, you know, if you are just listening to this episode, you haven't listened to my other episodes, please listen to my other episodes. They have a lot of great and in-depth information um, in those episodes as well. 
if you want to give me some topics that I could speak on concerning podcasts and, uh, and stuff like that, you know, let me know in my DMs and so on and so forth. Um, until next time, I'm Tyrone, and I am out.